Welcome to The Sale Ring, a podcast dedicated to real estate brokers, agents, and America's top auctioneers that keep the markets moving. Join your hosts, Sean and Trina, as they talk with most successful realtors, marketing and technology experts, investors, and influencers. This show is devoted to all industry professionals looking to up their game and stay up to date. Welcome to The Sale Ring. Welcome to the Sale Ring, ladies and gentlemen. We have a fun one for you today. Miss Trisha Brower, professional auctioneer, benefit auctioneer, is in the studio. Trina, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing great this afternoon. How are you, Sean? I am awesome. Good. I am awesome, Good. and we're we're thankful to have Trisha in the studio with yes. us. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Very excited to be here. Yeah, this is like uh, take number three here, so it's going great so far. <laughs> yeah, I will tell you, this is going to be a fun show. Trisha and I have known each other for a long time. She has been in the benefit auction world and the auctioneer world for many years, and, and uh, it's going to be a great, insightful episode Yeah, here in Studio B. You need all the insight you can get, Sean. I'll take some insight. Yeah, I will too. Trisha, tell us, you live here in Kansas City, but tell us a little bit about uh, Trisha Brower. Where do you come from and, and uh, who are you? Oh, well, that's Who are fun. you before we knew you? There you go. Well, I originally grew up in northern Iowa, grew up in a very small town, went to school, went to college, got a degree, and actually came down to Kansas City to visit some girlfriends one weekend, fell in love with the city. I moved down here 17 years ago thinking I'd be here wow. for one year and uh, here we are. Once I got down here, went back to went to work actually in corporate America, went back to school, got a master's degree. And uh, over the course of how life takes you every now and then, I found my way to the auction business. And that was about 10 years ago. And I haven't looked back since. Nice. Yeah. And you're from Iowa? Yes. Football fan? Hawkeye fan. Yes. Hawkeye. Yes. Hawkeye. The other Iowa team. Great. No, the only <laughs> Iowa team. There it is. There we go. We're just uh, we're we're checking your um, your patriotism to the Hawkeyes. So, well, let's talk a little bit about the benefit auction business here in Kansas City. And you're not just a Kansas City benefit auctioneer. No, actually, I'm very very blessed in that I get to travel around the country conducting benefit auctions, literally from coast to coast of all shapes and sizes and all various types of organizations. But for the most part, we do the vast majority of business here in Kansas City. That's so a you nice said, gig, yeah. Yeah, it's a, a great, great gig. gig. And you said that you're you move here from Iowa. You got into the corporate world, but how does a, a girl from Iowa end up in Kansas City in the benefit auction business? Because that's kind of a niche market. It is. It is a huge niche market, and I don't know if we have quite enough time for the whole story. So I'll give you the Cliff Notes version <laughs> <laughs> of it. But I actually went to work in corporate America in the marketing arena, and I was actually in healthcare. And I was the marketing director for a group of radiologists. And so my job wow. was to market radiology services. So I had to make people excited about CTs and mammographies mm -hmm. and MRIs, which is about as much fun as your faces are mm -hmm. telling me, uh, which our <laughs> listeners obviously can't that's, see. But you're making that face, too. I can no, tell you. no, that's quite revealing. It is. It's very, it's very interesting. And it was, it was a really good, really good uh, we heard the joke. We, we chose to ignore it, we just, Sean. We just chose to just skip uh, right over that there, Sean. Um, my comedy's very highbrow, as we mentioned before. Yeah, so. we really did. We need a yeah. little... Yes. For, for everybody. We'll, we'll get, we do need some sound effects on the show, I think. That'd be, that'd be a great addition. 
<laughs> so you're doing yeah, marketing for radiology. So did, yeah, so I did marketing for radiology and my family back home in Iowa is in the auction business. And so for years I kept being told, you want to be an auctioneer. And in very full disclosure, I thought that was the dumbest thing that anybody had ever said to me in my entire life, because why would I want to be an auctioneer? And I, you know, I had, I had, um, you know, some very strong opinions about the profession because I just actually wasn't educated on how amazing and sophisticated and high level this industry truly is. And so a uh, very long story short, after working in corporate America and making other people very rich, and <laughs> I thought, well, I'd rather be on the other side of that transaction than yeah. on than on this side of it. And so uh, my, my dad encouraged me to go to auction school. And I said, well, I really don't have anything at this point to lose. I'd always had an entrepreneurial spirit and I thought might as well give it a try. And so I went to auction school and within two days completely fell in love with the industry and I had put together uh, when I left auction school, I came home, my then boyfriend came fiance, now husband. I wanted to quit my job the next day. I was gun ho and he's like, "Okay, babe, like well, let's slow down. Yeah. <laughs> let's slow down. Let's put uh, let's put the brakes on and, and develop a plan." And so that's what we did and the plan was to start slowly building the business while still working full time, which is the great thing about the auction business, which is a whole nother another conversation, but the goal was to quit my job one year uh, and I did to the month. I um, gave my resignation um, nice. February 1st the following year and I have not looked back since. And so the question that I often get, though, is related to well, why benefit auctions. And the answer to that is, is I knew I wanted to get out of corporate America. Mm -hmm. And I saw the opportunity within the auction industry. I saw this amazing, unlimited potential of what it could be for anybody who just really wanted to work hard. And I already had the marketing background. I already knew how to, I mean, if you can make people excited about MRIs, <laughs> yeah, it just gets easier from there. And so... I looked at all the different way, different things that you could do to be an auction industry. And one thing my dad always told me was take what you love and put the auction business with it. And I thought, okay, so what do I love? Well, I love education. I love animals. I love, you know, women's organizations, but I wanted to get out of corporate America as fast as I could and benefit auctions had one of the lowest barriers to entry. I didn't need to go buy a building. I didn't need to go buy a bunch of hardware and software. I didn't need, um, in Kansas city in Kansas and Missouri, you just go to the courthouse for your license. So I didn't have to take these long tests, these long classes to get licensed. I needed to be able to speak well publicly, which I already had. I needed some nice dresses, which I went and bought and I need to learn about the nonprofit world. And so I would just go to the library on Monday mornings, check out several books, skim read them as fast as I could at night after work to get to know the nonprofit world and go back the next Monday and do it all again. And that's how I got started. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Very nice. And it's treated you well. And it's yes. treated me very well. Um, I see your name everywhere in the benefit auction sector. So you are the, the gal here in Kansas City in this market, for sure. You're uh, you're kind of the go-to person now for most of the nonprofit and charitable organizations. You say you're traveling in different locations, though, besides Kansas City. Yes. Yeah, we, get to, we do a lot of work out in California, which is a, a lot of fun. Getting to go out there doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily a bad day out yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, get to travel throughout the Midwest, get to travel the East Coast. And I really just get the opportunity to to travel all throughout the United States, doing a whole different types of variety of auctions, either on my own or partnering with other auctioneers. That's awesome. That's sounds like a great way to make a living. It really you Travel is. all over the place and have fun and help organizations as you go along. That's amazing. It is. So I'm going to put you on the spot. doesn't have to be now, but I'd like to know... Um, 
cool stories. I want you to think about mm -hmm. benefit auctions where you feel like you've made a good connection with the audience. You've um, you've managed to, uh, and it's not just about the money. I at least to me, uh, mm -hmm. conducted a few benefit auctions over the years, and I don't consider myself a professional benefit auctioneer. And here's the number one reason why: I don't get up every morning chasing that industry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I've I've been primarily in the in the real estate and the equipment industry and the farm industry, and that's okay. You know, if that's what an auctioneer, if that's the path you go down. But think about some. Uh, is there anything that stands out? Yeah, as far as, um, you know, just a personal connection, something that's made you feel really good or... Yeah, I mean, there's so, so many stories. And actually, I started keeping a little journal because I feel that I really do have a lot of great stories, not just about myself, but the organizations, the people they help and uh, the donors who make that possible that, you know, when I get bored one day and retire from all this, then I'll have some material to to write a book on that, oh, but yeah. Yeah. And you know, one of my very first memories of truly making an impact that kind of fueled the fire and thought this could be a good thing was that I was working for an organization that helps foster children. And my dad had also had experience with foster care. And so that one really hit close to home for me. And when we got done with the auction and it was all said and done, the executive director who I was working with comes walking over towards me and she's bawling. And I'm like, holy cow, what, what, what did I do? Yeah. What did I do wrong? <laughs> what happened? And she wrapped her arms around me and gave me this big hug. And she said something along the lines of that we raised more money than they ever thought were possible. And all that she could think about oh. as the dollars were increasing was how many kids that they were going to be able to help place into their forever families. And that was, that was a moment that I thought, okay, this matters. That's yeah. an awesome yeah. story. It yeah. is. And it's also a lot of fun because from, you know, we really try to work on the audience experience and the donor experience because mm -hmm. a lot of nonprofits, we, we try to bring business philosophies into the nonprofit world and fill some of those gaps and that encourage nonprofits to look at their events as a retail store, but that's mm -hmm. only open for five hours. Your donors are your customers and you want your customers to have the best experience possible because that keeps them coming back and it keeps them engaged with your organization and keeps them a supporter. And it's really awesome to have donors, those guests come up to our team afterwards and give us the feedback of how much fun they had, how engaged they were, that they had a pleasant experience. And the other cool thing is that we get a lot of, we've never seen anybody like you before. You know, we've never seen a woman auctioneer. We've mm -hmm. never seen, a lot of times my team is all is all female as well. We've never seen all women out here before and how much they appreciated that presence. And being able to also show the industry that, you know, it's, it's traditionally been male dominated, but there's this awesome sector. It's for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The auction industry as a whole, as you just mentioned, has predominantly been male dominated for, you know, since its existence. So mm -hmm. uh, to see females um, and women that are, are taking a stance in the not just as auctioneers, but also as professional ringmen, ring persons, um, <laughs> bid spotters in the industry, I, I think it's absolutely kind of evolving as an industry. It and that's good is. to see. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's really cool. It's really fun. We're seeing that a lot in other elements or other markets in the auction industry. In the heavy equipment sector, there is a woman that's up in Michigan and she's oh, yeah. listing a lot of heavy equipment. Her dad and, and her grandfather were both in the heavy equipment industry. She grew up around heavy equipment and just 
took an interest in that. And, and today she is a, a dominant force in her backyard listing heavy equipment. Take you know, what you know and put the auction business with it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So we talk a little bit about where you're doing this, how you got into it. And I'm, and I'm not sure this fits exactly in the auction industry, but you do a lot of work with uh, big brothers and big sisters. I do. Yeah. You want to talk about that a little bit? Uh, uh, sure. It's something that you know definitely hits home. A couple of years ago, I decided to become a big sister. And that was actually at the heel of doing an auction for a similar type of organization, but I'd always wanted to become a big sister. And I thought, well, you know, might as well look into it. Looked into it, became a big sister. I got matched with my little. Her name is Mia. Mia's not really a little anymore. She's 21 now. My oh, wow. little. I mean, is, yeah, that, my li- is that the term? Yep. That's yep. What, yeah, my yeah. little. The bigs yep. and the littles. Yes, That's, bigs yeah. and the littles. Yeah, very it's cool. Very cool that. And so Mia and I have a really unique story and a really unique friendship and relationship in that when Mia was, it was 2015, Mia's senior year in high school, her mom unfortunately passed away. And so she was dealing with a lot. And yeah. so... We stepped up to the plate and made sure that, you know, Mia had everything that she needed and that she graduated from high school and that she went on to college, which she is uh, still attending. She's working on her business degree. And because of everything that Mia and I went through and worked together, um, I was nominated for Big Sister of the Year in Aww. 2018. And so, and I won, which is of all the things I've done in my life, the coolest honor. That yeah. Well, oh, congratulations. That's, that it is an amazing accomplishment. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Very cool. Well, you've got, um, you know, I, let me say this. Let me say this about that story that you just told about Mia. You have to have a big heart. You know, mm-hmm. when I first got in the auction industry, and I find this is consistent with most auctioneers. You get into the industry to help people. Absolutely. So you, you have to enjoy people. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a crossover into real estate also. If you're not in the people business, you're not going to be very good at our industry. Um, <clears throat> but that can evolve into a profitable business, into something mm-hmm. that's very worthwhile. And you can give something back, as mm-hmm. you do in benefit auctions and charity auctions. At the same token, we solve problems. Mm-hmm. And and we help people, and that's uh, it speaks well for you as a as a person. Thanks. It's yeah. been it's been a lot of fun. We're going to slip away. We're going to hear from our sponsors real quick. We'll be back in just a few minutes with Trisha Brower. Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out AuctionTime.com. Find great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at AuctionTime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday, so register and start bidding today. AuctionTime.com, the way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. Thinking about selling a real estate investment, but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay? Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. 
Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? UnitedCountry.com. Over 30,000 farm, recreational, and lifestyle properties are just a click away, helping people find their American dream for over 90 years. We will help you find yours. Log on now to UnitedCountry.com and find your freedom. And we're back in the studio with Tricia Brower, taking bids, fundraising, auctions is the name of her company here in Kansas City. And Great insight. Now we understand, Tricia, why you got in the benefit auction business. I'd like to take a little deeper dive into what you actually do as a professional benefit auctioneer. That's a great question, and I actually really am excited to have the opportunity to discuss that in greater detail because, as you know, as you being an auctioneer, that that standing up and talking fast part of it is what we are best known for. But that's such a small part of it, and then for that portion of it to go well, there's a whole bunch of hours of things that are happening behind the scenes to make sure that that part of the evening goes off, uh, you know, without any hitches and is successful. And so we as a company believe in getting involved with our clients from as early as we possibly can. Some clients that's sooner than others, but for the most part, we like to be out working with the clients 12 to six months before their event. In the amount of auctions that we've done, we've actually been able to gather a lot of data that helps us to best know, you know, or we've developed best practices of how benefits can go and should go. And so we like to bring our knowledge of how to best run a benefit auction and give the opportunity to the clients to make adjustments, tweaks, and improvements to the great events that they're already doing, but then to help them take it to the next level. And so we get involved in talking about some very simple things of what sells well at an auction, mm-hmm. what doesn't sell well yeah. at an auction. You know, what do you guy get? What do you get rid of? How do we get the right people in the room? Because you can have a whole bunch of people at your auction, but if they're not giving you any money, what good is that? Empowering and training the volunteers. Uh, you know, a huge gap that I found was that you have these auction committees, these volunteers who come in, and they're really excited and they want to help. And one of their charges is always to go get auction items. So we'll go get yeah. donations. But nobody's ever told them how to do that. And mm-hmm. yeah. it's not as common as what you would just think it is. We'll just go ask for donations. Well, who do I ask? How yeah. do I ask? What's the, what do I ask for? And so developing trainings for volunteers where I go in for an hour to two hours with the entire team. And we go over the who, what, where, when, and why of acquiring auction items, talking about sponsorships and how to develop sponsorships Mm -hmm. for the event. Sponsorships, the way that most organizations are doing them, it's old, it's tired. What do businesses want? And so developing focus groups with businesses of what do you want and how do the nonprofits then match together with that? Um, And by by sponsorships, you're talking about somebody actually underwriting portions of the event. Yes, absolutely. Maybe the dinner or the live auction or the silent auction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. or just giving That's a great concept. And what they get in return is, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe signage and and things like that. Yeah, exposure for their company and alignment. And, And, you know, one of the biggest things that we have found is that There used to be these cookie cutter packages for businesses that you get this, this, and this if you give us X amount of dollars. Businesses actually don't want that. They want to pick. You know, I call it Mm -hmm. more of the the Girl Scout cookie method where you have a list of options with a price accordingly, and then you can just check the boxes 
that you, that want. you want, and there you go. Uh, so working with sponsorship development, and then also just even looking at are, what are different ways you're raising money the night of the event? Because you usually have various, what we call revenue streams, different ways that donors are making a contribution. So there's a silent auction. Mm-hmm. There's a live auction. Well, then are you going to do a raffle or a game of some point? How much are you charging for that? What's the price of that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it even gets into the whole, like I said before, the donor experience. What are they seeing and feeling and how are they engaged with throughout the entire night? You know, you walk into an event, and you could also become overwhelmed if you've ever mm-hmm. gone to a benefit auction. You can walk into a room and all of a sudden go, wow, what am I supposed to do? Because there's the bar over here. Well, let's just get our priorities straight, right? Like, we're, <laughs> we're, drink first. And, and then, by a bar, you mean like a steel bar across the room, like you crawl under? or Yeah, what? usually limbo. Um, yeah, is what limbo that is. bar. Limbo bar. No, no. You, go get, you go get some wine, you go get a cocktail. But there can be too many things. And so it's really just looking at how to best streamline the event so that they're making the most money that they possibly can without jeopardizing the donor experience and mm-hmm. helping them to also look at it, not through just their eyes, but also the eyes of the donors as well. Because sometimes we get so caught up in our own lenses that we forget what it's like to be on the other side of that. So you had mentioned items, helping coach with items that are tend to be good auction items for the live auction, silent auction, and, and vice versa. What are some good live auction items, just different types? You don't have to be super hyper-specific, but what kind of items tend to sell well on stage? You know, every organization is a little bit different. There's always your anomalies, but for the most part... Things that are going to sell well are unique experiences. Mm -hmm. It's the type of things that you can't buy anywhere else. And so you take something from tickets to a football game, but then throw in a on-the-field experience with some players or coaches beforehand. You can't get that anywhere else. Having different travel options, you know, different types of things where people can check buckets in their life of I want to support this organization, but I also can go to Hawaii at the same time. So Mm -hmm. being able to do two birds with one stone when it comes to that. Know your audience also. Exactly. Yes. And here, let me throw this out. I did a benefit auction one time for a private school. Mm -hmm. And the average wealth that was in that room was extremely high. It was a high net worth individual audience that gave a lot of money at the benefit auction. The chair from that organization had moved across town. This was in Dallas, Texas. And we conducted a benefit auction, and they had some really, really nice $20,000, $30,000 items. The problem is that the school, the private school that she had went from one over to another, you had a completely different audience and a different mm-hmm. price point. Yep. And this, the, these items were bringing less than half mm-hmm. of what they brought across town. What was a different audience? A few years ago, I went up to Chicago. I called a benefit auction for, they call these um, executive auctions or presidential auctions for Ducks Unlimited Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the financial district downtown in Chicago. Within two hours, we raised a million dollars selling like 12 items. Right. You know, so obviously they're giving a lot of money out there for these items. But the people that were sitting in that audience had the capacity to do that. Yeah. So when you're getting these donor items, know your audience and make mm-hmm. sure that you're not getting items donated that are going to get priced completely out of the ballpark. Yeah. Or just, you know, even items they don't want. You know, for example, you mentioned private school auctions. You can sell braces 
at a private school auction, but at an animal shelter auction. Yeah, it doesn't it, make sense. Yeah, it, it probably mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. And so it is. It is knowing who is out there and what do they want. Unless your animal has really, really bad teeth. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> oh boy, there uh, we go. It pays to care, but no. Like your point, <laughs> point taken. Care. Point taken. Know your audience. Mm-hmm. In service provisions, when you're teaching people how to go out and, and to ask for donor items, are there specific target audiences that you look for if you're going to? What if they want new clientele, new people to become interested in their non-for-profit organization? How do you target specific corporations or companies out there that may be a good donor? How do you find that alignment? That's a great question. And that's one I get asked a lot because there's no easy way to do this. And, you know, I always say that when you create one problem, you tend to solve, or when you solve one problem, you tend to create another. And so it's just which side of the coin are you most comfortable dealing with? So when you're forming new relationships with businesses that may not have a tie to your nonprofit, the first thing that you have to look at is, are they a good fit for a nonprofit? Mm -hmm. Are there our missions somewhat in line with each other? Because it does need to make sense from that standpoint. You can't have, you know, two polar opposites, a nonprofit and a polar opposite business come together. It's not going to work. So the first is identifying businesses that match your nonprofit's mission. The second one is always the easiest is, do you know someone who is connected to that business. So if you want to go approach ABC Corporation, do I know someone that can make an introduction? And the answer to that, if you've got a yes, is great. But if it's a no, that doesn't mean that you don't do it. You've got to make contact with that. And you're also going to have to be prepared to hear the word no, which which happens. One of the biggest mistakes that I, I tend to see nonprofits make is that they rely very heavily on email. And Mm -hmm. when you are emailing someone, especially if you've never been connected to that person before, they're going to hit delete. Now, can you send out a lot of emails really fast? Absolutely. You absolutely can. But your chances of converting one of those businesses then to a supporter is very, very small. It takes picking up the phone and inviting them to coffee. It takes Mm -hmm. inviting them to the nonprofit, to an open house or seeing what you do. It takes that extra initiative. And those types of relationships aren't developed overnight. It does take time because ultimately, as a business, they need to see something beneficial for them as well. And they want to make sure that you're a mutually beneficial match in that type of partnership. That makes perfect sense. And mm-hmm. so it's a balancing act, mm-hmm. but it's salesmanship 101. It, it takes it, it takes a lot of just hitting the streets and, and you've got to go out and do, uh, I, obviously I took away from that. You recommend the face-to-face. Yes. If you're asking somebody to donate or to give you something, mm-hmm. you need to meet face-to-face. It's really, really easy for them electronically to hit delete. And the request is there, but it was easy to tell you no when I'm yeah. not looking at you. Or not even respond at all. Yeah. Which is mostly what yeah. happens. Um, well, I mean, why would they? If they don't know you, they don't know your industry, they exactly. don't know anything about you, why are they going to give you money all of a sudden? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Are you finding that clients are a lot more demanding in this day and age? I wouldn't use the word demanding, but what I would say is that their expectation 
from what they expect from their benefit auctioneer is elevated. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's actually something that's been lacking within the industry for some time. And it's a change that should be happening. And I'm glad to see that it is happening. The auctioneer, the benefit auctioneer that night is responsible for raising a lot of money and being able to do that affect. Now, can you do that just walking in night of being given a list of whatever it is that you're going to auction off a few minutes beforehand? Can you, can you do it? Yeah. But I always give the analogy of when it comes to cars. If I'm going to sell an Audi, I need to test drive. I need to drive the Audi before I can sell it to anyone else. You I can't just do things about it. Yeah. I just can't stand on the outside of it and kind of look in the windows and say, well, it's got leather seats. I need to know everything that I can about it. That's what makes me a good salesperson. And I feel the same exact way about my nonprofits because I'm a very firm believer that you can't fake genuineness. You can't mm -hmm. fake involvement and in that when people stand before you and you can tell that they are invested in the nonprofit themselves, they're going to feel that and they're going to be more confident in giving their hard-earned money to the nonprofits. And so I wouldn't say it exactly that way, but nonprofits are seeing that there is a difference between just someone who shows up the night of the event and is seeing everything for the first time versus somebody who's truly their partner and working side by side with them throughout the entire process. Year after year. Year after yeah. year. Because this is a paid service. It is. Correct? Yes. Yeah, you're not doing this for free. I mean, yep. this is your business. This is how you make your revenue. And I moved up here several years ago to Kansas City, and there were individuals in this Kansas City marketplace that I was aware of in visiting with some organizations that were conducting their benefit auctions for free. Mm -hmm. They they weren't charging them to do that, which is fine, um, other than the fact that you kind of get what you pay for right. in business. And they're not delivering that value proposition that you just articulated to us. So, And I kind of want to retread this just a little bit. Let's go over just kind of the steps. If you were to engage with me again, mm -hmm. the services that you're going to provide just in bullet point form, you're going to be an, an auctioneer yes. the, the day of or the night of. Correct. You're going to call the auction. You'll bring a team, a staff. Mm -hmm. You're going to help with pre-auction consulting as far out as we engage. So that may be nine months, 10, 12 months ahead of the auction if we found each other yes. in time. And mm -hmm. you're going to help us prepare and start putting strategies in place mm -hmm. to help us elevate mm -hmm. our revenue model. Yes. If you will, because that's what a benefit auction is, is it's great revenue. Mm -hmm. And also expose us to a lot more industry trades or, or secrets maybe that are in the benefit auction industry that we're not currently using. Yes. There's a lot of techniques out there. There are. And there's a lot mm -hmm. of different ways. I call it the cost of tradition that when nonprofits get somewhat stuck in the pattern of just doing the same thing year after year after year. From a donor standpoint, you know, I want something different. Uh, you know, I want something else that is exciting. So how can we still raise the most money possible, but give a new and exciting feel year after year? We're going to slip away. We're going to hear from our sponsors. We'll be back in the studio in just a few minutes with more from Trisha Brower. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? UnitedCountry.com. Over 30,000 farm, recreational, and lifestyle properties are just a click away, helping people find their American dream for over 90 years. We will help you find yours. Log on now to UnitedCountry.com and find your freedom. 
Thinking about selling a real estate investment but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay? Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out AuctionTime.com. Find great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at AuctionTime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday. So register and start bidding today. AuctionTime.com, the way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. And we're back in the studio with Trisha Brower. Trina, while we were on break, I found a clip of uh, Trisha. We have a clip of you actually selling. <laughs> let's listen to that. Okay. And uh, <laughs> let's, let's hear you in action. I need 31. I'm 30. Jeff, let her think about it for a second. I'm going to walk around the room. Say I have 30,000 right there. I need 31. I'm 30,000. That would have been a 31. One would have been a 31,000. That would have been a 30,000 going once. 31,000 going twice. Oh, we just raised a whole bunch of Now that was pretty cool. You oh, just sold exciting. an item at a benefit auction for thirty thousand dollars. Do you remember that? I do. It yeah. was uh, it, that was a really exciting night. We actually only thought we were going to get twenty thousand for it, and we got thirty. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it was. That's awesome. One of the things that I noticed in that video clip, the team that was working uh -huh. around you mm -hmm. is uh, looks like. They're as engaged in that auction as you are. I mean, they were really working that crowd hard. Oh, they, they absolutely are. So we know them as ringmen, bid assistants. I tend to call them uh, bid assistants, but they fulfill the same role. But within any auction, they're an extension of the auctioneer. And that's the same within benefit auctions as well. But again, going back to that donor experience, we want it to be exciting. But also at the same point, there's somewhat of a fine line because we also don't ever want people to feel pressured. Mm -hmm. into, you know, giving more money. And that's actually a tactic that I've seen at other benefit auctions, which can be very uncomfortable with it. We want to encourage bidding and we want to make the donors excited, but not to the point of where they're uncomfortable. So we're out there. We are thanking every single backup bidder. The people who don't win are just as important as the people who do win. So we want yeah, them absolutely. to see our gratitude. We love high fives. We give out a lot of high fives, we give out a lot of fist pumps. And really, it's just creating movement and energy throughout the entire room, which does make people feel engaged, even mm -hmm. if they're not, even if they're not bidding, they still feel like they're a part of something. You know, you bring up a great point. When somebody's there in a fun environment, in a giving capacity, mm -hmm. you don't want to make them feel bad about the fact they can't yeah. give anymore. Right. If they reach a threshold or a point where we've just kind of expended all ammo you want to thank them for what they mm -hmm. did do and for driving the price up, mm -hmm. but you, you definitely don't want to belittle them uh, or badger them yeah. at the auction. Yeah. 
uh, to the point where they feel bad about being at their own benefit auction. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, here's where I was going with that, though. I, I watched there was a lady right in front of the camera that was working the floor with you and one on the other side. How do you find bid assistance like that? How do you find people in the benefit auction sector that know how to work the crew or work the audience? That's that's actually a great question. So my primary pool of where my team has come from have come through my relationships with professional organizations. So by being a member of the Kansas Auctioneers Association, the Missouri Auctioneers Association, the Iowa Auctioneers, Colorado Auctioneers, and also the National Auctioneers Association, you attend events that are hosted and you get to develop relationships with other auctioneers. And so that's always been the number one opportunity. Recently, we've been in adding other positions within our company. So we're doing a lot more data analysis and providing detailed data reports on bidding behavior, which is going to be amazing. Like, I'm super <laughs> excited about that. So I'm actually trying to find people who aren't in the auction business because like I said before, we tend to look at it through our own lens. And I've realized that I've started to do that. And I need outside perspective that is seeing things that I would that I normally wouldn't see to bring a different viewpoint from it. So that's just through other relationships, you know, and common networking to find those individuals. But I would say the number one way is through my relationships with professional organizations. And are there training programs for benefit auctioneers and for bid spotters? Again, there there's that term because of evol- we're evolving. You know, the evolution of the auction mm-hmm. industry. Ringman is becoming an outdated term. I yeah. did not see any men working in that ring. For you, at least on camera, those right. were all women. So, yeah, but are there training programs for bid spotters, uh, for auctioneers that are specifically in that niche market of benefit auction business? I, you know, Any I designations or programs out there that you endorse well, for the, an auctioneer that wants to get in the benefit auction business? That yes, so absolutely. When it comes to that arena, it's more it's more encompassing than just the ringman, the bid assistant component of it. So there is the National Auctioneers Association does the benefit auctioneer specialist course, and mm-hmm. that is offered through the National Auctioneers Association. I'm actually one of the instructors for it um, periodically, which is a lot of fun. But that program focuses on not only just the auction, the benefit auction itself, but how to grow your benefit auction business, how to work effectively as an auction team. So there is that training available. So uh, that's good for not only the auctioneer, but also the bid spotters and how to have a cohesive team working at that. And you said that's the benefit auctioneer specialist. Yes. It's offered through the National Auctioneers Association. It is. Very good. Yes. Very good. Which... By coincidence, they're housed, actually. They're right here in mm-hmm. Kansas City yeah. down in Overland Park yeah. also, and, and uh, we've been longtime supporters of the National Auctioneers Association. The yeah. more we talk to you, the more I wonder how much time you actually have left over for just, you know, <laughs> leaning back and, and breathing <laughs> on a day-to-day basis the yeah. more you talk. It's I crazy. Take, I take what I do very, very seriously because yeah. at the end of the day, the organization's they need the money just as much as any of our other sellers. Mm-hmm. The people who are liquidating their farms, we need to get them top dollar for their farms for a whole variety of reasons. Nonprofits are the same way. They make our world better through what we do. Mm-hmm. And if we don't do our jobs well, and we, you know, I always say the greatest expense is in us. It's the money that's left in the room. And if we don't do our job, not only to get the money in the room that night in a fun and effective manner, but also cost them relationships with their donors, that's not helping the world be a better place. And I take that responsibility very seriously. Yeah, you can tell. How many years have you been in the benefit auction business? I don't think we asked you that earlier, but what, what's the amount of time that you've spent in this industry? Almost 10. 
almost 10 years as a professional benefit auctioneer. Yes. And out of all of the industries that you serve, so, and, and I'm kind of breaking this down and there's research industries that are focused on health, cancer mm-hmm. industries. Mm-hmm. There is children, welfare, the welfare, well-being of, yeah. of children and um, mm-hmm. just humane humanity organizations. There is uh, the humane associations mm-hmm. for animals. Is there a specific sector in that market out there that kind of appeals to you or that you tend to kind of kind of is a magnet that you pull towards the animal industry, the people industry, the the health industry? I mean, do you find yourself kind of slipping into one of those buckets? I I don't. Uh, and the reason for that being is that causes are important to me, but the personalities of whom I'm working with are more important to me. I want to work with the leadership team in the nonprofit that truly wants change, that they truly mm-hmm. want the best thing that can possibly happen for their nonprofit event. I could have a cause that's near and dear to my heart, but if my personality doesn't mesh with that leadership team, we're not going to be effective. And so regardless of the cause, I want to work with the folks who truly want a partner and want us to do good things together. Very cool. Yeah. The benefit auction business is alive and well here in Kansas City. It's uh, obviously alive and well in the United States if you're traveling to that many different places. If I'm an auctioneer today and I've kind of got that pulling in in my heart or or that passion for the, the benefit or the charity sector, what's my first step? Well, the first step is that being a benefit auctioneer can add a great revenue stream to any business. And so it's if you're looking to expand or do something different, there's a great way to do that. If you have not received specific training in benefit auctions, I would encourage you to attend the Benefit Auctioneer Specialist course through the NAA. It's just like any other asset. Um, if you're going to sell real estate, heavy machinery, um, there's always training for it. And they're mm-hmm. all a little bit different. And so getting that education so you can understand the nuances of how a benefit auction is different from the other types of auctions that that individual may specialize in is is a great first step. Then the next step is is to create your own marketing plan of how you want to grow that part of your business. And then the third part is to go out and do it. Just go out and do it. Mm -hmm. It's, um, do you recommend starting? (laughs) Make it sound easy there. Just exactly. go do it. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> stop, stop crying and go do it. Yeah, exactly. Do you recommend starting out that localized in um, small community? Maybe it's where you live doing the the house, uh, the hometown benefit auctions, church auctions, FFA auctions, school auctions. Is that a great place to to cut your teeth in this industry? And because I think some of it's confidence building. You know, oh, when you're 100%. working for an organization, especially when they start paying you for those mm-hmm. services, you should shoulder more responsibility yeah. in that because you're getting paid. Mm-hmm. You're an agent for somebody else at that point. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same thing. Everyone has to cut their teeth somewhere on that one. If you live in a town where you have those relationships or those organizations exist, it's a great way to cut your teeth. Do chamber one. Even some corporations have little auctions for their employees and different ways that you can get some experience there. I personally did not get my start doing that sort of philosophy. I actually just went after specific nonprofits right from the get-go on that one. But I do think it's important to understand your own personal capacity and that my first auctions out of the gate weren't my thousand-person audience raising a half million to a million plus. It was 125 people where we raised like $10,000. And so I had to have my own personal awareness of what I could handle. And so looking at finding organizations who match your ability size 
is also a great strategy. Well, I think it's fair to say that $10,000 at these smaller organizations is just as important to them as the 300000 or 500000 yeah. is to the larger nonprofit organizations. And I'm actually really glad that you said that because it's not the dollar amount because there are times where I've raised that $10,000 and I know for certain that it means more to them than some of the huge, the huge ones. But there's a difference, I think, especially when you're newer and a confidence level of calling bids and, you know, $100, 200, 300, as opposed to 10, 20, you know, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000. Yeah. That can be intimidating when you start, when you start selling things for $30,000, $50,000, $100,000. It feels different than when you are selling things that aren't, aren't quite as high. And so you can gain your confidence and that's how you can begin to grow and build. Very cool. Yeah. Well, this has been highly enlightening. Uh, what's um, what's on your, your radar? What's coming up in the next 30 days for you? Do you have any large benefit auctions doing any travel? Uh, the next, so we are tailing down the benefit auction season right now. And so oh, there's like, a whole season. There's, there's two for the most part, okay. spring and fall. So things tend to die down in the summer when folks are traveling, kids are out of school, yeah. things kind of take a lull. In the fall, they'll ramp back up right until it used to end a lot sooner than it does. We go right up until Christmas this year. Oh, wow. Um, so what's kind of, that's interesting. I did mm-hmm. not realize there's two seasons for that. I what's the, in months, what's kind of the time frame? So my season starts in February. So I had my first auction was February 2nd. And that'll go, the busiest, busiest part will be until the third week in May. And then right before Memorial Day. And then it'll slow down. It'll start ramping up about August. And then it'll really ramp up after Labor Day. And then it goes right up until about a week before Christmas. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And that is, uh, that has a lot to do with the families that would patronize those auctions that would come out and be sitting in the audience. They get busy in the summer, they're traveling and horrible time to try to raise money when they're not at home, right? That's exactly it. Well, that is interesting. I never thought about that being a seasonal business. It is. Mm -hmm. That's getting ready to tail off. What do you do in the summertime? So there's a lot of great things that we get to actually do during the summer. So in the middle of summer in July is the national auctioneers conference. Mm -hmm. And so that is where I go get continuing education because I think it's important to continue to sharpen my saw, to continue to see what is going on out there, what's new, what's exciting. I also attend the Benefit Auctioneer Benefit Auction Summit at the end of August for the same reason, to get that continuing education of the best practices so I can bring that information to all of my clients. I get to read a book. I get to... <laughs> That's when you kick your heels I get to and, and write a blog. A, um, a you get to practice the, writing your book eventually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you read a book or the book? Um, you know, either or. It could, yes. yeah. it, could be, it could be either or on that one. But, you know, we try to provide such a high level of service that we are to a point now where we don't have downtime because even when when we you're still networking. Yeah, yeah, because even though the auctions part of it over, we're now preparing for a fall auction. So all that training, all that consulting, now we do during the summer for our fall events. And so it's not quite as slow as it may seem because we don't have events. We've just filled it with other types of work. So you're not like a teacher where it's just like, okay, we're done for the summer. No, I wish. Let's I go wish. Vacation now. <laughs> I wish, but not so much. Very cool. Trisha, it's always a pleasure to spend time with you and and to visit with you. Thank you for the insight. For all of the listeners that are on, tell us how to get to, uh, tell us how to find you out there. Uh, You can go to takingbidsfundraising.com and that has a contact form on there um, and a way to reach us via phone number and uh, email. That's the easiest way. Nice. Takingbidsfundraising.com. You got it. 
Trina, it's been yeah. a great show. It, it sure has. We it's promised a great show. We have uh, delivered a great show yeah. out here on Benefit <laughs> Auctions. We appreciate Trisha being in the studio with us. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. And join us next time inside the sale ring. This episode has ended, but your journey to greatness continues. To access all resources and links mentioned in today's show, head over to www.thesalering.com now. That's www.thesalering.com.